good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever you listen to us, and hi, listen to us. Thank you for making the sports and the world podcast part of your day. I'm Vidalia. And I'm Chris. And always seems to be the lead-in. I hope you all are safe, all are well, and uh, how are you, my man? All is good, man. All is good. Just uh, just got my hands on this new UFC 4 game. This thing, and, and again, I'm telling you, we always have this argument that you want me on Twitter. I even get pissed off. Here we go. And the Twitter. So, all right. So, these. Have you ever played any of the like any of the newer ones that that EA Sports has done uh, standalone? No, I don't think I haven't played another new one. No. All right. So, and the last one, UFC three, is I is when they started implementing. They have like their own little Twitterverse mm-hmm. inside the game, where you can interact with. Um, like Joe Rogan and Dana White and Megan O'Leary and John Anik and and other fighters and the crowd and things like that. So in the new one, it gets a little bit more in depth, where you can control the responses, like a good response or a shit talking response. And even in Ladarius, even in this goddamn game, they're shit talking me. Even in a game, this is why I don't do Twitter. <laughs> oh, or cause, cause, uh, a counterpoint, maybe they're, they they. Or counterpoint, I'll, def- I'll defend. Listen, I'll use my little CJ expertise. Or maybe they know how great you'd be on Twitter, so they're trying to guilt you into doing it. It's, it's a form yeah. of adult. It's, it's, it's adult peer pressure. That's yeah, so so this way I can just get thrown off of Twitter like I do Facebook every other week. I mean, come on, man. I'm mean, I, I'm like a I'm like a Facebook felon for life. I've I've got more time done in 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 Facebook penitentiary than Al Capone or any big time criminal ever did in the United States justice system. Well, the thing is, you paid your taxes. Al did. Period. Yeah, true story. True story. <laughs> but no, this the, the game's cool. If you guys, if if you've got one of the new uh, the PS4, Xbox One, or whatever, and you you enjoy the UFC and you just enjoy fighting games, it's a lot more in depth. And they have what I call stupid mode for the grappling, and then like the OG mode where you actually kind of don't have to know what you're doing. Um, graphics are awesome. The the storyline is very intuitive. Um, and then you have these little bastards on Twitter talking shit about you. Um, so it's it's fun. It is it, it's it's a fun game. So far, I uh, I've I've been able to put a few hours into it, and I am a middleweight and light heavyweight champion, and I beat the ever loving shit out of John Jones. So and uh, and and the cool thing is is that each fighter, you can it kind of hints towards like their personal life and uh, and things like that. So. I was the middleweight champion, and I know I'm going off on a tangent here. We'll, we'll we'll get to what we normally do, but I just found it funny. So I was the middleweight champion, and then Jones tweeted me talking about how he would like a super fight. So I was just like, yeah, okay, let's do it. So we kind of start going back and forth in the training camp, and he said, I don't even remember. He's like, you know, um, the only the only way that you're walking out with two belts is if you're holding uh, is if you're holding them for me. So my guy, so I could do like I could do the friendly reply or the mean reply. So I do the mean reply, and all it says is just make sure you're actually able to fight come fight night. You know, hinting towards his issues with cocaine abuse. Ah oh, man, <laughs> this game is savage, man. But no, nah, seriously, it's it, it's a fun sixty bucks that uh, that I spent. It looks good in four K. Um, if you have a choice, get it on Xbox because of course that's a far superior system. Um, and yeah, so that's my rant on that. I will advertise more on that later. So. Uh, I'm sure we want to hear more things about my video game adventures. Oh, listen, I think I think the American people, you know, listen, we know some people listen, you know, all around the world and they're, listen, 
You, you listen, people play UFC all over the world. And listen, as for John Jones, if, if we if we were on video, I just look at him and say, "Look, it's the other guy, not me. It's the, <laughs> the other guy. Look, I I seen your record. Well, damn it, I did it. Okay, so I meant wrestling. I meant his UFC record. <clears throat> Before we uh." But we get a phone call from John Jones's lawyer. Let's dive into what we're going to talk about today. And I wanted to talk about this for a while. The NFL is right around the corner, and everyone's doing their predictions. And I figured we do kind of like a four or two a day, where you know we just we just do two uh, two divisions a day, just talk about it. You know, if possible, a record. If not, fine. But just to give thoughts, you know, on the NFL season. And I decided this week to go the old compass route. To go northeast, southwest. So we're going to start in the north, and we're going to start with the the NFC North, which which I think is a very interesting division because I do feel that there's a sleeper team in here that I think people are, are not talking about that I'll I'll get to. But Chris, give me some of your thoughts on the uh, your thoughts on the NFC North. All right. So the NFC North, um, I think it's clear and present who's who's definitely going to walk away with the division title. Um, and that's the Baltimore Ravens. Um, you know, Lamar Jackson is just, he is dangerous. He can run, he can throw, he can just do anything that, that they want him to. I mean, it's, it's, he's like, like, he's like if you create a Madden character and just put all the stats to 99, that, that is essentially... Lamar Jackson. Um, so, you know, I, I don't see too much. I know you said that you see a sleeper team. Um, so I'm kind of curious to see who who that is. Um, I, I see Pittsburgh kind of hanging around, but I don't I don't know. I don't see them being too too much of a contender. The the I guess the 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 quote sleeper team maybe could be the Browns because they were getting, you know, they were getting pretty hot towards the end of last season. The Bengals, I see them winning more than, than what they did last year. Um, they a whole two games. Um, but you know, I, I think I maybe see them winning six games. I think with Burrow, it's going to be some, there's going to be hope, but at the same time, he's, he's so young that I, you know, it's, it's going to take some time to get acclimated from, college ball to uh uh to the nfl but i i honestly think that overall afc north the ravens just they they've they've got the darth vader death grip on it you know i i you're right i do think that i do think that i think it's the ravens division to lose i just don't see i don't see them losing and the thing is chris in the offseason i felt they got better which which, if I told you that a team that went fifteen and one got better, Chris, you'd look at me and go, "How?" But I, I felt that they did because, the first and foremost, they went out and got Calias Campbell, you know, from Jacksonville, and they got Derek Wolf from our buddy Derek's uh, Denver Broncos. And you know, listen, Calias Campbell had six and a half sacks last season. Derek Wolf only two and a half. But it's the fact of how loaded they already are on defense. So here's the thing. You know, I did a, I did records. I know you did, but I, you know, you know the nerd in me did. 
So, so what I did was I went by division and, you know, I think, you know, I think the Ravens, I think they can go 15 and one. Wow. I think that because Chris, when you, when I look at the roster and like, first and foremost, they probably have the most complete roster there. You know, the difference between having a talented roster and a complete roster, a complete roster means like literally there's no holes. Like even their special teams, even with Justin Tucker, you know, an all pro kicker, like they're, they're good everywhere. John Harbaugh, great coaching, great offense, great defense. It's very hard to find a flaw. And then they got better in the draft. They got Patrick Queen from LSU. Chris, they got better, you know, on top of Kalias Campbell and Derek Wolf. Their defense last year, everyone talked, and like you said, you did, you talked about Lamar Jackson. But I want to give some love to their defense, Chris. You yeah, listen, they only gave up 18 points a game. That was fourth best in the league last year. Like, and, and, and to think how great they had the best offensive football, now they had the best defense. And, and my biggest, if I had to pick one little complaint, Chris, and, I, and it may sound minuscule, their receiving core wasn't great. Their receiving core was dead last in football. The receiving core only had a combined 1,419 yards. And, some, and then look at what Michael Thomas did. He did that by himself. So I really, really like Baltimore. Listen, they're drafting DuVernay from, from uh, Texas, drafting Jane Proch from SMU. I think they're going to get better. And, and, you know, Chris, it's very scary. How can they get better? I think they're going to get better. You know, 15-1, and one, I just feel, Chris, in today's NFL, it's very hard to go 16-0. and 0. And look at New England. New England went 16-0, and 0, Chris, because I'm not going to say the competition was weaker, but I just felt that New England was just playing at that point in the season. They were playing to be undefeated. And, but nowadays, Chris, there's too many injuries. You, want, you don't want to risk it. Look at what Baltimore did last season. What did they do to Lamar Jackson? They sat him down. And I think more teams are doing that later in the season if they feel everything is locked up. So, but I think at 15 and one, they have a good backup in RG three, so you can kind of do that, kind of a seamless transition. And you know, I think people are sleeping on the Pittsburgh Steelers, Chris. Really? Because here's why I think that we have to remember that. Listen, when Big Ben is healthy, he's probably going to be the second best quarterback in this division. Lamar Jackson's the best quarterback in this division. Big Ben, listen. It, look at the team. The last time this team finished third in the division, Chris, is 2009. And that, that was Mike Tomlin's third season. With a healthy Big Ben, they got, you know, Schuster, Juju Smith-Schuster. You know, listen, toward the end, James Conner got hurt. Like, Chris, their offense was anemic last season, and somehow they were, like, in the bottom half of the league offensively because they were injured. But, Chris, they still went 8-8. Eight and eight. They still found ways to win. They relied on a very good defense. That trade for Mika Fitzpatrick was probably one of the better trades because they gave up a first-round pick, which they probably would have drafted uh, a safety anyway and got an all-pro in Mika Fitzpatrick, and he had five interceptions, tied for fourth last season. And then you throw in the fact they got T.J. Watt. Then they got Devin Bush, a rookie. And listen, they got Bud Dupree. Chris, this defense is very good. And I think – I'm not going to say they're going to win this division, but I think people are sleeping on them 
because of the fact that, listen, we don't know what we're going to get out of Big Ben. It all depends, Chris, on how healthy Big Ben is. Because we saw what happens, Chris, when he's not healthy. We saw what happened. We kind of saw, like, Mason Rudolph is not the answer. Like, the Duck Hodges is not the answer. <laughs> so we kind of learned that it kind of still revolves around Big Ben. If you recall, when we did our draft special, you know, I had Pittsburgh getting a quarterback, whether through free agency or through the draft. Because at some point, Big Ben is up there. Big Ben is pushing 40, and he hasn't been the healthiest his whole career. Like, one hit to Big Ben, and he's probably out for half the season. So, you know, I have Pittsburgh going 10-6. and six. I, I think they could probably be one of the teams that maybe gets a wild card. I'm not going to say so they could, but so to our favorite team, or to my favorite team, the Cleveland Browns. I know I ragged on them last year, Chris, and I still defend the fact that I did rag on them. I'm not going to – I didn't back down because at the end of the day, Chris, I was right. Yeah. It's like I kept trying to tell people, I'm like, folks, Baker Mayfield, listen, I know he's talented because, listen, best completion percentage in college football, he can complete passes. You know how much I love quarterbacks. So I'm not knocking his size because look at, look at Drew Brees and Russell Wilson. What gives me with Baker Mayfield is discipline and structure. The quarterback is essentially the CEO of your football team. How many CEOs can you pull up a tape of grabbing their crotch on the sidelines? Yeah. I, <laughs> so. <laughs> maybe maybe uh, browsers or bangros. Yeah, quite possibly. Yeah, someone who, who who's in the business. Yeah, you know, other than that. I don't want my CEO grabbing his crotch and being – I have no problem with people being bold and brash at quarterback, Chris. What I do have a problem is is that this team was too talented and it barely – 7-9, 8-18. And, well, and to I, me, if, if, I can, if I can jump in, I, I think I touched on it last season and I mentioned it more than one occasion. Uh, there were, There's just too many personalities on the team. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you had Hunt, you had OBJ, you had Baker Mayfield. You know, there's there, there's there's too many alphas, and and sometimes you got to play the role of the beta. And that's one thing. As as much as I can't stand Tom Brady, is when he was no matter what type of talent came through there, and they had some awesome talent. That's yeah, I mean, they, they, they he had such a supporting cast. Absolutely. But with all of that supporting cast, he kept him in check and, and let him know, like, hey, this is my team. This is not yours. This is not your. This is mine. You will do things my way. And again, uh-huh. that CEO personality. Uh, if you look at the way that, you know, even uh, a guy like I know, I know you're not a fan of him, but Kirk Cousins. No, wait, wait, take, wait, let me interject for the record, folks, before we're going to talk about the Vikings in a minute. Listen, you make one joke about, you say, Kirk kissing Cousins, and it all spreads everywhere. <laughs> like, listen, I can't, his name is Cousins. Listen, his name could have been Kurt, Kurt Uncles, and I probably would have been no joke, but his name is Cousins. Continue. Um, but, you know, with, with that, you know, with that being said, even he, he had a little issue with, with Stefan Diggs and, uh, and some situations with that, but he got it cleared out, and look, now he's, now he's off the team. 
Um, you know, most programs, the quarterback kind of keeps the rest of the team in check. And I think that's where, where Cleveland falls short is, uh, Mayfield's got the balls all pun intended, um, to lead the team, but he doesn't have the, the command to lead the team. You know, uh, I, I was talking, um, you know, I was talking with one of my employees, we were on a conference call, uh, earlier this week and you know we were just kind of you know discussing things and one of them you know one of them said and and he normally doesn't compliment me too much he's usually bitching about me um you know but he said you know in situations he's happy that you know that i am where i'm where i'm at and he's where he's at because I, i i take command and i take control of the situation and establish not not like an authoritarian state but establish okay here's what we're going to do here's the plan let's make it happen and whether it's in a in a a career in the business world or the military you own your own restaurant whatever you do your business or you play in the nfl you have to be able to take command of your people and have them want to listen to you not necessarily because they have to but that positional leadership uh it's it's a uh it's a position that's earned you know, and you got people that want to follow you. And I don't think Baker Mayfield's there. He's he's not there yet. I think, like you said, they'll do better this season. Uh, you know, they went uh, six and ten last season. I got them pegged out at uh, at eight and eight. So we'll see what happens there. You know, you know, Chris, everything you said was true, and here's why. Like you've heard me, you've heard me t- you say good things about Baker Mayfield, but everything you said, Chris, is true. I need to see that leadership. Because you're at a position of leadership. Like, at the end of the day, Chris, here's, here, this is what Cleveland did. Cleveland this offseason, they went and got Jack Conklin from Tennessee. They drafted Jedrick Wills, who I was high on in the draft, as you, if you remember. And Chris, and, and Nick Chubb still ran. He had a 1,000-yard season with that offensive line last year, and they got better this year on the offensive line. So Baker has the pieces. And then you have Jarvis Landry. You got OBJ. They signed my guy, Austin Hooper, from Atlanta to be a tight end threat. Chris, maybe I'm missing something. Maybe I'm the guy in the room that's missing something. Because Baker Mayfield has too much talent. And where Cleveland went wrong, Chris, you don't hire coaches. You don't hire best friends to be coaches, if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, I agree. Freddie Kitchens was like the guy you would he's like the cool best friend. He's kind of like the Joe the plumber type guy who he coached Chris. He never coached at any level of football as a head coach. It's like you would not hire a CEO who was not led at least somewhere, you know, at least led a team, maybe not a company, but led in some capacity. And essentially Cleveland went out and hired Kevin Stefanowski from Minnesota, which is a good hire if he's a good coach because Chris, History has shown it doesn't matter if the coach is offensive or defensive-minded. It's about leadership. Bill Belichick won six Super Bowls and a defensive coach in a lot of years, Chris. That offense carried that team. Why? Because Belichick's a leader. He's a genius because he's a leader. People respect Pittsburgh, Mike Tomlin, defensive guy. Offense always takes the headline. The reality is, Chris, I have them going seven and nine. I just can't see, you know, I, I, obviously I haven't been Cincinnati twice, but Chris, <laughs> I, 
I just look at Cleveland and go, I don't want this is Baker Mayfield's third season, Chris, and I believe when you're in the third year as a quarterback, I think I think we'll talk about Sam Darnold next week. Sam Darnold's kind of in that same situation, and we'll talk about him more next week. Where Chris, there has to be improvement. Like nobody's saying you have to go up there and throw four thousand yards. But I need to see elevation for Baker. Period. Like I don't want to hear how talented this team is. I don't want to hear oh how loaded we are. Because that essentially sounds like a dating profile. And then you go meet the person and they just completely your expectations are so high and you meet that you meet them face to face and it's like you want to get the check early. That's the Cleveland Browns. Expectations get the check early. That's what they are. So seven and nine for me. And as for as for uh, as for Cincinnati, it's not a great year in Cincinnati sports wise. And listen, it's just not a great it's not a great time to be a sports fan in Cincinnati. But one of the things that I like, Chris, you know, obviously getting Joe Burrow, they have a face of the franchise, which once again, you need a quarterback to be successful. You know, you know, you know, obvious there. But think about this, Chris. They got upside. Like head coach Zach Taylor, you know, he he, he offered the coordinator who was there to, for the Rams. He gets his guy. Here's the thing, Chris. Quarterback coaching combos. This could be the next big one that people need to be talking about. And I think given the fact that look at look at how Zach Taylor was with Jared Goff when he was there. And look at Jared Goff now. Case it does close. speak volumes. It's it's the same thing. It's the same thing I said years ago, when when it came to when it came to uh, Andy Dalton. Like when you look at Andy Dalton, when Hugh Jackson was a great offensive coordinator, he was great. And Andy Dalton kind of dipped when Hugh Jackson left. And that speaks volumes. Like that kind of the coach dynamic matters. And I think in Cincinnati, there's upside. Listen, they drafted T. Higgins from Clemson. And, you know, they still got A.J. Green. And they got Tyler Boyd, who, if you didn't know, Chris, he has he had two straight 1,000-yard seasons. Two straight 1,000-yard seasons. But you, we would know that because, because he's in Cincinnati. <laughs> and, and listen, I'm not trying to knock on Cincinnati, but your market matters. Like, if, like for example, if, if he was playing in New York, L.A., Chicago, we would know. And it goes to show you that it gets ignored, but that's the that's the bright spot I think they have. And also, Chris, like Joe Mixon. Like Joe Mixon, listen, 1,000-yard season. But that defense is still steadily on the rebuild. And you have to have some remnants of defense because they had to scrap it, Chris. They had to take a bulldozer, how you, you know, you know how you demolish buildings? They're... The the defensive rebuild period is is essentially like the ninety five, uh, Interstate ninety five rebuilding project they've been doing in Miami for the past ten years. There's just there's just no sight of completion anywhere. Right, it, it, and it and it doesn't feel that way. And that's the vibe I get from from Cincinnati. And the thing is, Chris, I you know I I still have them going two and fourteen because that defense is so bad. And you know it helps when you play Jacksonville. And you play the Giants. I'll just leave it there. So I actually can... gave them three wins just just out of the sheer fact uh, that I figured at least Burrow could put one game on his shoulders, make make a good pass, 
that late fourth quarter, you know, put you up a couple by a touchdown or a couple points or so I, I actually gave them a, a three and thirteen uh, ending. Yeah. So 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 we're we're not that far apart. I think I think we're not we're not that far apart. I think for the most part. But you know, I think the AFC North, it's it's Baltimore's to lose. Pittsburgh could be one of those teams, Chris. Like if that defense plays to the hype, Big Ben stays healthy. A lot of things have to go right. Because that 10-6 record, Chris, is contingent on a very healthy Big Ben, a healthy James Conner, and Juju Smith-Schuster becoming Juju Smith-Schuster again. As for Cleveland, you know, Chris, like you said, I just need to see leadership out of Baker Mayfield. I don't want to hear excuses. Because if he's that good, listen, he can't complain about, listen, Russell Wilson had it bad, and that man won a Super Bowl. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and, and I can I, I can argue Cleveland has more talent than Seattle, and I, I don't want that to come off as, you know, disrespectful to to Seattle. Oh, well, it's just but true. It's just when you he was the, he was working with a whole lot less. And and it's like if Russell Wilson can figure that out, and this man has to play in in equally bad weather in Seattle where it rains a lot, Russell Wilson figured it out. And it, at some point, remember, it was it, it, people say it was the defense, but listen, when he when Marshawn Lynch left, it essentially became Russell Wilson. After they got rid of the Michael Bennett, Earl Thomas, Richard Sherman, so essentially they were putting the keys to Russ finally. So that's why I, people wonder why I'm harder on Baker Mayfield is because I've seen it work on the other side of the country. It worked. I'm not saying the Cleveland Browns should be in the Super Bowl. But at least at least be a playoff contender. That's exactly my point, Chris. Like you get it. Like I feel that's not much. That's not too much to ask. It's like be a contender. And as for as for Cincinnati, there's hope. It's just very there's hope. Yeah, it's listen. It, you may not. It's like a mirage, but it's there. Trust me, it's there. Give it. Give it about three years. Give it about three years because it takes time to die, you know, develop that dynamic. I believe with a quarterback. So, so that's our AFC North prediction. So, so just to recap the records. So I had Baltimore going fifteen and one. What did you have Baltimore going? Uh, I had Baltimore going twelve and four. Twelve and four. Uh, so Pittsburgh, I had ten and six, and you had ten and six. Hmm. Those are copying my paper. Interesting. Uh-huh. In- interesting. Interesting stuff. And I had Cleveland going nine, seven and nine, and you had them going eight and eight. Mm, eight and eight. And then, of course, we Cincinnati, you had them going three and 13, correct? Yeah. So I think the only big difference that we have is just is Baltimore. And 12 and four is still a good record because I do think, like I said, in the NFL, it's hard to win. I don't care. We've seen examples, Chris, where listen, bad teams could be good for one week. Yeah. So I mean, so, hell, look at the look at the Jets put an outright ass beating on the Cowboys last season. Oh uh, man, <laughs> I bet you that's ah uh, man. Pepperidge Farms remembers. Man, I remember. I think I roasted. I. Th- it's like they were the only team to have all literally lead by this, lead by this, lead by this, and lose. And and Jason, I'm telling you. 
It was Jason Garrett. Play call. Oh, but, oh, oh, oh Mr. Clapper. Yeah. I, I wonder if he have a Clapper in his house because his wife's probably pissed at him. I hope so. Clap. Is, is everything already at the Garrett's house? That's fine. <laughs> old Jason, old Jason, just clapping again. It's a rave party. Oh man! Oh, man. See his orange hairs. Oh boy! The visual you didn't need America, but you got it. America and the world, you got the visual. So speaking of a visual, I want to go up north. Still, still in north. It's about the NFC North, which I think, Chris, I feel very confident about one of these teams could possibly potentially sneak in and win this division. Bum, bum, bum. I'm confident in one. I'm confident who I have winning the division, but there could be a potential team in there. You know, if a lot of things work out, could win this division. So give us your thoughts on the very cold and frigid NFC North. So for the North, I almost feel like, like I'm a closet fan of of this team, uh, and this team is the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, boy. Uh, I think I, I think I know why, but continue. I, I you know honestly I I well besides the fact that these dudes have won me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> besides so the really... fact, look, okay, yes, I did win a fantasy football title because of these guys, and then yeah. some. I want uh, that, I want that <laughs> on the record and in the notes. I want that. <laughs> Um, but you know, you know what? No, I just, I don't know. I think what it is is I just started watching them because I had so many Vikings players on my team the past couple of years. You know, I've had Adam Thielen for a few years. Um, I've had Kirk Cousins, uh, and then of course uh, Stefan Diggs when he was there. Um, and you know what? Like I don't, I, I don't know. Like I feel like I've slowly become a fan of them. Um, and, you know, honestly, this division is theirs to take. It really is. The, the mm. keys the keys are, are, are left on the driver's seat, unlocked, and the windows are rolled down. I mean, the only thing I think that's going to be the Vikings' problem is their schedule. They, they've got a miserable schedule. Yeah. They open up against the Packers. And then they go to Indy, and then they play Tennessee, and then a couple weeks later they play the Seahawks, and then the and then the Falcons, and then the Packers. Then they get a couple gimme games with the Bears, the Lions, and uh, and the Cowgirls. Then they go to Carolina. That's definitely not a team you can sleep on. Plus they got Tampa Bay. Plus they got New Orleans. All in one season. <laughs> I mean. They're they're literally playing essentially based on I think my calculations that I've done through you know my own thing one two, uh, possibly three, four, five. They're playing five divisional champs and, and based on my calculations because I I strongly feel that. Uh, Number one, I think the Titans will will handle their division. I think the Seahawks will handle theirs. Uh, I think the Cowboys, just because of how terrible the NFC East is, I really think they could do this, J- just because they're that terrible. Um, I definitely see Tampa Bay. Well, see, this is the toss-up, is, is Tampa Bay and New Orleans. That's that's going to be the scary one. Uh, but then I also see the Panthers. You know, They're not a team to sleep on either. 
I know. Hey, look. Uh, wait, wait, wait. What did you say? I'm sorry. I, I know. Went to sleep. I went to sleep. I see what I did there? See what I did there? That's all right. We'll, we'll see how much shit you're talking when I got McCaffrey on my team pumping out 40 points a game on you again. Listen, I, I'll send a guy to Carolina immediately. <laughs> but no, I just I, I really think just based on the division, um, divisional standings, I think that Minnesota, there's no reason why they shouldn't win. Green Bay is an aging organization. Aaron Rodgers is at that point where, yes, he's Mr. You know, discount double check and Mr. Fourth quarter comeback. But I, 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 how much more does he really have left in him like that? You know, and then on top of that, I feel like Minnesota is a much more complete program than than Green Bay is. Um, Chicago, well, we'll just leave it at that. Uh, <laughs> and then Detroit, you know, hashtag moment of silence for Matt Stafford and his smoking hot wife. Um, that's probably the best thing that the Lions have going for their entire organization is just Matt Stafford's wife. Um other than that, it's it's pretty terrible. Uh, you know, when when I didn't think that they could, you know, because if you remember last season, I ran into a jam, and I did need a quarterback for a few weeks, and I picked up Stafford, and then as soon as I picked him up, he got injured, and uh, so they, they kind of let me down. And then I think I had like Marvin Marvin Jones Jr. and well, he let me down. Uh, hence why half of my team was the Minnesota Vikings at towards the end of the season. Um, but they're just they're a more complete program. They've got you know as 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 much ball busting as we do on Kirk Cousins. I think he has the capability uh, to to do something. Um, you've got Adam Thielen as a as a massive deep threat. You've got uh, Kevin Rudolph at the tight end slot that can block and can catch and can run. And then on top of that, I think the most sequential piece is the health of Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook's health has been an issue for him since he played at Florida State. Um, he he had a lot of problems with his legs there. Um, he what he reminds me of is like you take like a car like a Honda Civic and you pour all this money into the engine to turn it into a drag car and and they're fast cars. You know you got Hector from the Fast and Furious driving the son of a bitch, but the problem is is with with those Hondas you get a lot of wheel hop. And they really can't get traction. And then a, a strut breaks or a control arm breaks. And that's how I feel like with Dalvin Cook is there's so much power in the motor that it, it just can't translate on in, onto the ground for traction. And I know that's a crazy-ass analogy, but that's just what he reminds me of. Because, because when he's healthy and that man can plant his foot, I honestly think he could give Tyreek Hill a run for his money. Mm. But... The problem being is he just can't stay healthy, and I'm wondering how much, you know, uh, damage is really being done. And just like any, you know, it's it's like UFC. You get punched in the head so many times, you're easier to get knocked out. Hence why Chuck Liddell, towards the end of his career, you look at him the wrong way, and he would just fall over. You know, and uh, so I'm wondering, not that Dalvin Cook's towards the end of his career, but I'm wondering, this, you know, his health, I think, is a major concern, long story short. Um I really see them winning the division. I see them doing it in an 11 and five fashion just because of how hard their schedule is. Um, second place, I see Green Bay uh, at a at a, a manageable seven and nine. They at least hit 500. They've got a little bit of an easier schedule. 
Um, and they still got pieces. They still have Aaron Rodgers. I think this is the is the uh, the the main key ingredient. Uh, like I said, with third, you know, with the Bears, um, I got them going uh, six and ten. Based on, I mean, they do win some games. They got they do have a great defense. Uh, they have a you know Trey Burton is tight end. That man can do pretty much whatever. And heaven forbid if they really need uh, another quarterback, they can put the ball in his hand and make something happen. Um, and then you know, last but not least, the Lions. I've got them at a, uh, at another three and thirteen. I just you know I just I don't see them. I, you know, some people make really good head coaches. And some people make really good coordinators. And mm-hmm. I just, I, Matt Patricia was a great coordinator. I just don't know if a head coach is is where he should be. Um, you know, you've got you've got options, but uh, Matthew Stafford looks questionable. You know, we're gonna see what kind of help he's in. Um, you know, and then the same thing, you know, circling back to the Bears, you know, with Nick Foles going there. Um, Mitchell Trubisky has the ambition, but Nick Foles has won a Super Bowl, and I think he's just gotten the short end of the stick based on injuries. Uh, but, again, we'll see what happens. But, yeah, I, I don't see the Lions doing much of anything this season, and it could be a very short run for uh, Matt Patricia as head coach. Well, yeah, boy, I was just sitting here listening. I'm like, this guy does not like the North at all. Clearly. <laughs> Too damn cold. Yeah. Listen, what do you think? I'm he- I'm here and you're there. Because uh, someone said, hey, come up north. Uh, it snowed, right? Yep. That's all I need to hear. Thank I'm you. I'm a pass. <laughs> you know what? Uh, I'll pass that. Like, on the price is right, I'll pass that showcase. Like, I'll, I'll pass it. But I-, I think, Chris, like, with all due respect, I think it's a little bit of pessimism. On your part, and it, and and I get where it comes from, but you know the only team we somewhat agree on is Chicago. Everybody else, we're miles apart on. Here's the thing: I want to start with Minnesota before I go on. Minnesota lost a lot. They lost Xavier Rhodes, Everson Griffin, Linval Joseph, Stephen Diggs, and what while through the draft, listen, they drafted Justin Jefferson to replace Diggs out of LSU. And they drafted Jeff Gladney, the corner from TCU, to kind of replace Xavier Rhodes. I think, Chris, that that defense is it's going to be young. And, I, and as much as I respect, I think Mike Zimmer is a great defensive mind. He's, every, he's a great defensive mind. But at some point, Chris, it's the same problem talking about a team I talked about earlier that was in the AFC North to talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, Pittsburgh has talent, and and listen, there's a lot of youth, but the difference is there's somewhat the experience on that side of the ball is more than what Minnesota has, in my opinion. And while, listen, I knocked Kirk Kissing Cousins a lot on this show. I named the title of the show Kirk Kissing Cousins. So, you know, I haven't got Sue yet, knock on wood. But... But my biggest thing with Minnesota is can they overcome those defensive lapses? Because as much as I knock Kirk Cousins, Kirk Cousins is a good dude. He can play. He just can't play at night. But he can play football. Like, it gets dark outside. He has to go in the house because he's terrible in prime time. Like, you put the Minnesota on Monday night or Sunday night football, 
they could play the they could play the Bengals and they'd still lose. That's how bad Kirk Cousins is on playing at night. But I think Chris, I going to to Green Bay. Listen, I still believe in Aaron Rodgers. Here, listen, and I know. I think going back to the draft, Chris, I recall. I think I called it that they were going to draft Jordan Love, if I'm not mistaken. I think I said on this show they were going to draft Jordan Love. And and you, I, I'm going to use the word that you guffawed at it. I don't know if that's the appropriate word. But you're a smart guy. You know what word I'm talking about. <laughs> but, but, but you said, you know, I think, I think you, you didn't. And I said, no, Green Bay's going to draft Jordan Love. And look what happened in America. You know, listen, I'm not going to say I told you so, but hashtag proofs in the pudding. Because while I didn't, while I didn't like Green Bay's draft, you know, outside of, I think Jordan Love was probably the best pick they had. Because Aaron Rodgers, listen, you said it, Chris, he's getting older. So why not get a guy? I thought at their position they were, Chris, there was nobody worth taking of that value. And people may say, well, what about Denzel and all these guys? I say, I understand. That's why I said they're going to grab the quarterback. Because if you look at the needs, they need a backup because Aaron Rodgers gets hurt again. Once again, go look at Pittsburgh. Look what happened when Big Ben got knocked out, Chris. If they had a somewhat decent quarterback, if they had like a veteran presence or a somewhat decent quarterback, I could argue Pittsburgh could have been a playoff team. But they struggled at 8-8. Eight eight. Green Bay undersaw that and said, listen, let's go get Jordan Love. He's the most talented guy in this draft. Maybe not the best all around, but he's the most talented guy in this draft. You can sit him down. You can do the same thing that you did with with Aaron Rodgers, ironically, with Brett Favre. Let him learn for three years. Aaron Rodgers may go or retire, whatever happens. This essentially is the same team, in my opinion, because here's the thing about Aaron Rodgers. He's dominated this division since 2008. Chris, he's, here's the thing, Chris. He's 46-18-1 versus the NFC North. He's owned this division. He's owned this division. And Aaron Rodgers gets all this flack. Look at how many years he didn't have talent. Now he's got talent. They actually went and spent money in Green Bay. They sold enough cheesecakes to go invest in the defense. They sold enough blocks of cheese to invest, you know, in an actual defensive line. So I think they got it figured out in that respect. My only issue is with Green Bay is that, listen, I'm, is that defensive line is that, listen, we saw what the Niners did to him in the playoffs and in the regular season, just ran rough shot through them. But if they can somehow manage that defensive line, Chris, they're going to win this division. I, I have Green Bay going 12 and four. That's how confident I am in Aaron Rodgers. And I'm confident in Matt LaFleur because Chris, they're going to run the ball more in my opinion. So that's, you know, I lead to that. Minnesota, I have Minnesota going seven and nine. Simply because I have them going seven and nine. I have them going seven and nine, Chris, because, listen, they lost a lot defensively. While they went out in free, while they went out in the draft and reloaded, at the end of the day, Chris, they're rookies. Essentially, rookies going to make mistakes. Rookies, you listen, I, I think as, as much as I like Adam Thielen, Dalvin Cook, when he's healthy, that's a question mark to me. 
when you're at certain positions, you get unhealthy. You're like, you can shake it off. But when you're, when it's in that backfield, essentially your quarterback or running back, Chris, I have concerns. But when it's your running back, and that's essentially maybe, maybe your, your best option offensively outside of Adam Thielen and Kyle Rudolph, that concerns me. And as for Chicago, there's no difference. I feel Chicago blew it by not getting Cam Newton. Cam Newton was sitting there, and and Matt Nagy and Matt front office did not make the move. Cause look what look what he went to New England for in peanut for peanuts. And then when he got Nick Foles, and like you say, maybe Nick Nick Foles got an unlucky break getting hurt early on in Jacksonville. But my whole thing is this: if what I'm hearing is true out of the camp, if Mitchell Trubisky beats out Nick Foles. That's all you need to know about Nick Foles. Because Mitchell Trubisky, if I gave Mitchell Trubisky a football, Chris, and said, hey, throw it 10 yards, Chris, he's going to hit the guy on the other side of the street. <laughs> he's going to knock some poor old lady off a bicycle. She'll be okay. That's how inaccurate he was. That's how I feel. Throwing, so I, that defense is great. And listen, Khalil Mack is there. The defense is fine. Listen, eight rushing touchdowns, they can't run the ball. Listen, eight rushing touchdowns, nine, they average 92 yards a game on the ground. That was fifth to last in the league at 27. Listen, my whole thing is this, Chris, great defense, top five, top five defense, bottom five offense. Khalil Mack has 21 sacks in two seasons, so we know it ain't Khalil Mack. It's not Danny Trevathan. It's not Levante David, Chris. It's not Leonard Floyd. It's Mitchell Trubisky. Yeah, I I won't argue that point. If they had got a Cam Newton, they could easily compete to win the division, Chris. Because what if I told you, what if if Kansas City had Chicago's defense? I said, if they, no one could beat them. And I say, because all you need is a decent quarterback. Patrick Holmes' way is a much he's much better than decent. He's very, very good. If they just had a guy like, let's just say, a Ryan Tannehill type dude, it's not that far fetched to think that they could compete and win this division. But they don't have that. As for a team, and I have, like I said, I have them going five and eleven. So we're not that far apart there. But I think people are sleeping on the Detroit Lions. And I get they get laughed at because hey, look at the look at the uh, look at the Tigers. I get it, but if Matt Stafford is healthy, Chris, it's the same thing. I like I said, we're always roaming around Pittsburgh. If Matt Stafford stays healthy, Matt Stafford in his career he averages two hundred and seventy yards, two hundred seventy five passing yards in a game, and that's the, and that's second to Drew Brees among active quarterbacks. People sleep on Matt Stafford because he plays in a terrible, terrible team. It's just like the equivalent of, look at Mike Trout. Mike Trout's a great player, but have you seen an Angels organization? So have what, seen... him on the Yankees. Yeah. If, if you put Mike Trout on the Yankees, and you put them in a regular 162-game stretch, they could win 110 games. Oh, easily. But since he's in Anaheim, He's the best player on a garbage team. And I, and, I, and don't at me at it because 
Look, Mike Trout. Mac, how many times has Mike Trout been to the playoffs? I believe once in his career. Is that Mike Trout's fault? No, he's been an MVP. It's not his fault. Like you can tell what's good and what's bad, and that's pretty obvious. And I think with Matt Stafford, Matt Stafford is kind of like the Mike Trout of the NFL. Good player, bad team. But we 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 highlight him. We know Aaron Vance is bad, but there's potential, I believe, in this Detroit Lions team because Chris, here's the thing: they went and got Jeff Okuda from Ohio State to replace Darius Slay, who got traded to. He went to Philadelphia. Here's the thing, Chris. They they drafted DeAndre Swift from Georgia to go with you know to go with Bo Scarborough in the backfield and with Carryon Jones. Chris, they get they're running the ball. Remember, Detroit couldn't run the ball. That's why Matt Stafford's arm felt like glue every game. But they have a run game now. And Matt, I'm not saying Matt Patricia is the perfect coach. I, I I agree with you. I think Matt Patricia now. And I think that's a – I'm not going to say it's a New England coaching curse because look at Bill O'Brien. But anyway, that's a whole different – we'll say that for when it happens. But I think with potential, Chris, I think Detroit's in a situation where it's a boom or bust situation where there's talent and they can sneak up on some guys because remember, Detroit was in a lot of football games last year. They just – some you know, there's sometimes they're on the wrong end of them. But they can compete, Chris. And imagine if they had a healthy Matt Stafford all the way for 16 games. This is probably a team that Matt Stafford's been on, has talent, has a running game, and it's not necessarily revolved around him. It's kind of it's it's essentially what's going on in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers. We know the quarterback's good, Chris, but they couldn't run the ball. Then Aaron Jones shows up, has a thousand yard season, 16 touchdowns. He was on my fancy team, by the way. So I always sneak. He snuck his in. I snuck mine in. But but the point is, Chris, I, I kind of have them going. And are you sitting down, Chris, or are you standing? Yeah, let's, let's see what you got. I, I'm sitting. Eight and eight. You are on drugs. If that drug is life, then you are right. Why <laughs> not? Because, look, here's the thing, Chris. I just believe in the upside. You can look on the downside. I think there's upside. Like, I'm not in love. Here's the thing, Chris. I'm not in love with the coach. You know, only thing I'm really in love with is Matt Stafford. They have a run game. And listen, Kenny Galladay, you know, and outside of Kenny Galladay, there could be some issues. You know, Marvin Jones Jr. is still there, but Danny Amendola is like 84 years old. But I think, Chris, if they stayed in game, I think it's a learning tool. Where, look, Chris, they lay, they couldn't win close games. It's like a good baseball team. Like, if you can't win when it's close, you learn from it. Good good teams learn from failure, just like businesses, if that makes any sense. Good, why, there's a difference between why certain companies survive and, one, and why some fail. Is that while we highlight the success, Chris, we also got to highlight the failures because they must have failed for them to figure out that it didn't work and make it work and how to correct it to not happen again. I think Detroit, Matt Stafford, I'm not, like I say, I'm not endorsing Matt Patricia as coach of the year, but I think if Matt Patricia leans on the offense a little bit more, I think they, they could be a 500 team. Because if you think about it, Chris, 
And, and listen, I want you to, uh, you're still sitting down again. I think Matt Stafford's a better quarterback than Kirk Cousins. Oh, yeah, yeah, and I, you know, now you're just now you're just being malicious. Listen, malicious, ah, oh boy. Uh, I've heard those legal words before. You know what I do? I call for a recess. But <laughs> the point is, is that, but I, I just, I think this is probably the only division where we may just disagree on. I'm, yeah, I'm gonna have to say that's 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 where we do. It's it's like I I under and like I said I was listening to and I get how you feel. I I definitely see how you feel about you know Chicago. I think our feelings are the same there, but with Minnesota, I just think they lost a lot and you just can't replace that overnight. I mean, go look at the Rams. Like I and I said it on this show. Look what the Rams did. The Rams put all that money. On one side, they put all their money in. Remember, they had Jalen Ramsey, Marcus Peters. They jammed it, and they put all the money in there, and they, you know, they paid them. But when they started trading away assets, and I said to myself, that team's going to be bare next season. And guess what? It was bare. They ended up trading a lot of offensive pieces, offensive pieces left. That's the situation I feel in Minnesota. They just lost a lot of defensive pieces. And defense is the one side of ball where it's harder to to learn on offense. If it's a good receiver, Chris, you can't teach speed. You know, you can teach receivers. You know, you can draft great route runners. You can draft great, you know, with speed. If it, if this were if they lost pieces on offense, I think Justin Jefferson would fit in nicely and compliment Adam Thielen because he's at a position where he doesn't have to learn as much as, say, Jeff Gladney does as a corner. I just believe that def- learning defense is a lot harder than offense. And I could be absolutely wrong and off base on that. But if if they lost pieces offensively, Chris, I'd be right there with you. But I just feel it's a lot harder to learn defense. Because at the end of the day, you have to learn about coverages and schemes. While on offense, they, hey, it's essentially it's the same thing. But on offense, you can pick it up quicker because you're more protected. On defense, if you get burned, it's going to be everybody's going to see it. And and then that's, you know, and that's my take is, listen, you know, to recap, you know, I have Packers going 12 and 4. You have them going 7 and 9. Minnesota, I have them going 7 and 9. You have them going 11 and 5. Shit. Well, listen, but. Listen, also, you know, Lizzo mentions Minnesota Vikings in her song. So, something to think about. How do I know that? That's none of your business. That's none of your business, people. It's called research. It's called R&D. For the Bears, you have them, I have them going 5-11, 6-10, not a big difference. Detroit just outright disrespecting the whole city. For the record, listen. I, before we move on to, uh, to UFC, I know, that, I, know, I know they said about you, Detroit. It's all a lie. You just need a better baseball team, a better hockey team. And football and team, better mayor, better state governor, better city council. Yeah, you know, why don't we just burn the whole state and just start again? It'd probably be doing them a favor. Well, just, just saying. I mean, how oh boy. you heard it here, folks. So if you hear something going on in Detroit and you hear Chris in Detroit, you know where it started. Yes, sir. So, so, so for the most part, we're there, and we'll, and we'll post our, you know, after when we're finished, we'll post our division, we'll we'll post our predictions 
on the site and everywhere else as well. But speaking of things that posting and things that, you know, you know, lasting things, you know, UFC, if Miocic and Cormier, I felt, I don't know if you agree, Chris, it kind of lived up to the billing. Like, I think we both expected that. That was, that was, it, the, the whole card itself was a good card. It was. Uh, it, it's, it secretly was. But. Uh, the 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 last fight with uh, with Miocic and and DC it didn't go the way that I that I called it or wanted it. It got close uh, th- that first round. I was like, oh shit! I think I might have I should have put some money in Vegas on this. And then the rest of the fight happened, and I'm happy I didn't. Um, you know, ended up going to a decision with uh, with Miocic holding on to the title. Um, like I said, overall, it's a great fight. You know, I can't, I really can't say anything bad. Um, you know, DC is a very accomplished fighter. He's he's one of the few people that have held belts in two different divisions. Um, he has fought up and down with some of the best fighters over the years. Um, so it sucks to see him go out in the way he did. I don't like the fact that the ref kind of let that eye gouge slip on DC. Again, I don't think it was intentional, but if you're going to call it one way, you got to call it another. And especially, I don't. Did you see the replay on it in the slow mo? Yeah, I, I oh. saw it, and, and, and it was just gruesome. It's, if you ate a sandwich, you probably threw it up. Oh uh, yeah, it's it, it's it's very cringeworthy. If you haven't watched it, go check it out. Um, so he ended up getting, suffering a torn cornea, I want to say, because of that. I didn't even know you could tear your cornea. Yeah, I, I didn't either. I, so, I knew you could have injuries to the eye, but I didn't know you could tear something. Yeah, I didn't know, you could, I, yeah I didn't know you could tear the damn thing. Um, but, yeah, so he's definitely, um, you know, going to be shelved because of that. But he also, you know, retired after after the fight and said, hey, look, you know, the only way I would fight is for a belt. I don't see them giving me another opportunity, so I'm just, you know, that, that that's it for me. Um, which again, it, it sucks and it hurts to see, but you know, he had a great career, 22 and three, two belts. You know, some UFC, some people go into the UFC and walk out with losing records. Some people go into the UFC and never see a title shot. Um, some get one and fail miserably. You know, he did all of the above. Uh, he won titles. He walked out, you know, the, an immaculate, you know, record. And he'll easily be a Hall of Famer on the next ballot entry for the UFC. So that was a great fight. The co-main event with Sean O'Malley and Marlon Vera, I was very disappointed in this fight. Um, Sean O'Malley, he did something with his ankle. I don't know if he he, he rolled it or or something something happened to it. Um, that caused him to he stepped forward and his ankle just like buckled on him and same thing if 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 you get a chance to watch this it's it's pretty uh it's pretty graphic and uh from that point on you can tell he was favoring that uh that ankle very very heavily um to the point where he just he couldn't put any weight on it and he ended up getting knocked out with about 20 seconds left in the first round, um, or you know, referee stoppage. Um, and going into this fight, I was really high on on O'Malley because of you know watching all of, of his other fights, 
and then watching some of the pre-fight interviews they were doing with him, and, you know, and just kind of doing my homework on this guy. And he he just had some cannons, cannons on his hands. But uh, for some reason, uh, whatever happened with his ankle, so speedy recovery for him. I'd love to see him get back in the octagon and give that another shot. The rest of the card was was pretty good. The only other worthwhile fight, I think, was uh, the heavyweight bout between uh, Junior Dos Santos and Yari Zeno Rosenstuck, or however the hell you pronounce that. I'm not even going to try to butcher that name again. Uh, yeah, you know, I, and I think I got it fairly close. I looked on Phonics, man. Public schools for the win. Um, you know, uh, Dos Santos looked good, but he same late in round two, he, uh, he got put to sleep by, uh, by, by Rosenstruck and, uh, that same thing. Good fight. Uh, I expected a little bit more out of Dos Santos just because he's got those heavy cannons, but, uh, they just, they weren't there, but, you know, rest, rest of the card was good. I'm looking forward to the next fight. And, uh, you know, as for, as far as, uh, DC goes, you know, fair winds and following seas. Hopefully we'll get to see you on the side uh, doing your um, your color commentating with Joe Rogan because you do do a damn good job at that. Yeah, and I think I said it last week. I said how good he was on the mic. And and, and I, I always appreciate you hear You see a lot of the former athletes who, who color commentate and they oh, just terrible. kind of, they're just awful. And I think... Like when you think of how Cormier sit there and calls UFC, you know, on the experience and just the way he gets into it, I, I think, uh, you know, while we lose him in the ring, we get him in the booth. And it's kind of one of the things I think he, what he is, what he is to UFC, I kind of feel what Peyton Manning would be to the NFL. I really do. And I think the thing with Peyton Manning is that he's afraid to criticize other players. And you can't be afraid. To, to do that. And I think when you're in the business, like I, I didn't mean to go on this side tangent here, but I think like Cormier is, is Cormier is Cormier. I'll put it that way. And you know what I'm talking about. So there's no fear when Cormier, because Cormier has been in that octagon. He can be honest and I respect his perspective. You know, but you know, uh, one follow up question, I, and I give it to you before we wrap up with baseball is that with John Jones, vacating the light heavyweight title. Do you see a potential Miocic-John uh, Jones fight happening soon? Oh, absolutely. Um, I I don't see why there wouldn't be. Um, I think that, same thing, I think that they would be a immaculate pair-up for a fight. They're both just big, stocky dudes. I mean, uh, you know, Jones is, has that freakishly long, I think he has like the second longest reach in UFC history at 84 inches. And that's that's just, that's a big wingspan for anybody. Um, I I definitely see you know Miocic, uh, you know, taking the fight. I mean, I I don't know of a lot of other heavyweights that could really even put up the the caliber of fight right now that that John Jones could. As long as he could stay healthy, stay out of trouble, and stay off the booger sugar, I think that could be a good fight. Just writing down booger sugar for future notes. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I, I'm like you. I'd be curious to see that fight because when I saw it, I said there's potential that Miocic and Jones steps in. And and once again, like for DC, I think, you know, he went out. He 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 does what I think with every athlete, even though he didn't walk out with the belt, he was able to walk out of a sport, especially as physical as UFC. Not a lot of dudes can say that. 
just walk out the sport. You're I'm not gonna say like you're fully healthy, but you're healthy enough that you know you can come out of the octagon, take some time off. You know his eye. You know he'll he can be right in the booth. You know if not this year, possibly next year. And I respected the once again the fight was great. I had it going to decision, but I just picked the wrong guy. Because I just saw these two dudes. They know each other too well. It's like, you know, it's like a chess match. So it felt good watching that. And, and you know, hopefully down the road we get that Mildred and Jones fight. And speaking of things that we hope for, I want to wrap up with baseball. And, you know, first of all, shout out to baseball, 100 years of the Negro Leagues. You know, you know, great like Jackie Robinson, Willie Mays, Hank Aaron. Shout out to them. To my favorite player, Willie Mays, who came from the Negro League. I, I want to talk about an incident. We talked about it in our, I'll say our pre-meeting. It's professional. We keep it classy. So in our in our pre-meeting, we talked about the whole Fernando Tatis Jr. situation that happened Monday night. He, hit, he hits a grand slam versus Texas. The game was 14-4. to you know, it came on a 3-0 pitch. San Diego's up 10-3 to at that point with the bases loaded. And then, and what's worse that came after that, Machado, who followed Tatis Jr. in the batting order, he had a ball thrown behind him after after the grand slam, which if they, if they were the definition of petty in baseball, that's, what, that's just my opinion, super petty. And then, you know, listen, the manager, you know, Jace Tingler for the uh, Padres said, listen, he just missed the sign. And and, and, I, and I'll respect that. And, you know, and then as far as what Chris Woodward said on the other end, where unwritten rule, and I think, and I and I said in, 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 my, in the meeting, is how antiquated baseball is. You want, like, Chris, here's the thing. It's like Major League Baseball wants their cake and eat it too. You have to be willing to sacrifice something in order if you want to be successful. If you look at the NFL, what did Roger Goodell kind of cede to? He ceded to the players to a certain, not like give them full control, but look what happened. Like for example, letting them design their own, like their their uh, their cleats, little things like that to make the sport interesting. To put eyes on the television. He sacrificed it because he knew it wasn't about him. It's about growing the sport. Yep, about growing the brand. Exactly. And, and look at the NBA. Yeah. And look uh, at the NBA. Oh, God, I'm sorry. Oh, no, you're okay. And look at the NBA. The NBA has always gotten it right. Like, you know, people thought in the bubble it was going to be terrible, Chris. Virtual fans, you're getting great basketball games, you're getting 100-plus games a night, it feels like. You're getting fresh players. You're getting intriguing matchups. You're getting great storylines. And people thought it was going to be a disaster. And when this came out, I said this was going to be more successful than Major League Baseball. Remember what I said about Major League Baseball, Chris? I had concerns because you're not in a bubble. Because every place, there's a dome. Like, there's baseball with a dome, but how can you have that work? And basketball is a court. You can design a court quicker than you can do a baseball field. And I may be completely... So it's like you just can't go out there. You just like pick up a, like I can go outside of my you know my house and you know if I get two hoops, you know do a little drawing. I can get a basketball court done in like half an hour, you know if I properly measure. But 
But shifting back to baseball, Chris, I, my whole thing, my whole thoughts on the Fernando Tatis is, look, he missed a sign, and baseball has to understand you got eyes on your game, and this is the way you handle it. Like this is a kid, and for the record, I talked about how good the Padres were when we did our predictions. Like I'm not surprised at how good Tatis is leading the league in home runs and steals. Like he could, he's a potential MVP candidate. San Diego, and like I said, I'm the only guy in San Diego. Me, Ron Burgundy, mm-hmm. and that whole and that whole channel team. You know, we all had tickets. You know, unfortunately, you know, I had to come back here. They stayed, you know, because that's where they work. So, listen, I heard, you know, Ron Burgundy told me they were good. And listen, I always trust a guy in a red blazer. So, except if they work at a hotel. But the point is, I want to get your thoughts on, first, the whole Tai Chi situation, and B, how your thoughts on baseball's unwritten rules. Because I know you you love baseball as much as I do. I want to get your thoughts. So, here's the thing. As a batter, you have one sole purpose in that batter's box. To get yourself on base and to get the people that are on base crossing home plate. As a pitcher, your sole job is to keep as many people from exiting the batter's box as humanly possible in your time allotted. Now, if you suck at your job and you can't pitch then don't get mad at the batter when you load the bases, when you put three people on base and you decide to throw a 3-0 and pitch and then decide to throw one right down Main Street and expect a young player to not want to hit a That is every boy's wet dream that has played Little League and City League and travel and AAU and high school and collegiate all the way up to the majors. The feeling of hitting a grand slam is there's nothing else like it in the world, you know, the, for for a baseball player. So if you're stupid enough to lay to to, to put yourself in that position, that's on you. Uh, you know, and as far as unwritten rules go, baseball has had a huge problem because it was the national pastime and it just slowly dwindled away. I think it took a big hit in the 94 strike and I don't think as many fans returned back and then as people age and progress baseball kind of lost its luster compared to football and college football and basketball and and millennials don't have the attention span or probably the intelligence for the most part to understand the game um so yeah I know I'm taking shots it is what it is um, but you know, I, I, baseball, it's, it's a thinking game and it's, it's a little bit more slow and methodical. It's like a game of chess compared to a game of checkers. Um, but the thing is people love blowouts. People love turning a game on. I don't care if it's football, baseball, basketball, hockey, a UFC fight. People like to see blowouts. It's just in our nature. And for the the Rangers manager to get all get all pissy faced and butt hurt and say, oh, you know, this is an unwritten rule, and if you're up by seven in the eighth inning, you know, it's not a good time to swing on a three and O pitch. Then don't have a pitcher put him in a three and O position. I mean, there's literally no rocket science required. I am not qualified to be a general manager 
of a major league baseball program. But more than likely, I would probably pull a pitcher that has bases loaded that's about ready to walk a run in that we've already ran up the score and it's, you know, 10 to four at that point in time. I mean, just idiocracy at its finest. If anyone is to blame inside a Rangers park, it is you, Mr. Woodward, not the San Diego Padres, uh, not Fernando uh, Tatis Jr., not the coach for San Diego. And for the coach saying, oh, he missed the call, that's him covering his players and covering his boys, and that's what's up. Mad respect for that. But at the end of the day, if you don't want people hitting bangers off of you, don't let them hit bangers off of you. It's literally you. You are literally throwing the pitch. No one is doing it for you. It is your grip, your intelligence. And if your and if your catcher is too stupid to call a three and zero, when and you're going to throw a, a a fastball right down the center lane, you know, you know, maybe look into a new catcher too. That's my two cents on that. The rest of baseball, I'm happy with. We got some great standings. Uh, you know, of course, my boys are leading the uh, the AL East right now. And they also have the second best record. Yeah, I know. I know. Uh, and they also have the second best record in baseball. Um, but on the flip side, though, your boys are actually leading the NL Central. So you wait, still see like, uh, Yeah, I just woke up. I yeah, woke yeah, up. yeah, 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 asshole. Uh, I, I heard I heard Shaw Cog, and then I just got up. I knew who the rest was. Yeah, yeah. You know, the Cubbies out there, they're they're. they're 15 and 8 right now. You know, they're at the top of the division sitting pretty by stretch, by a stretch. Um, you know, the Braves, just like I said, were not the team that you'd want to sleep on. And look at look at where they're at right now. They're 14 and 11. Uh, the Dodgers are leading the West at 18 and 7. Uh, you know, then swinging back to the AL, like I said, we're sitting on top. We're, uh, you know, we're a game and a half ahead of Tampa. Uh, the twins, you know, essentially, like I called it, we're going to be the, the head of the AL central. Uh, and then, you know, the, the surprising one is, uh, is the athletics, you know, reigning in at the, at, at the top of the helm right now. Um, you know, the, uh, the Astros are kind of coming back. They, they had a pretty bad stretch of games there for a little bit, but, uh, you know, they bounce back, um, but the one that's there that are just terrible, <laughs> you know, and I, and I really want to just talk to talk about him just to pick on him is the Red Sox. Um, boy, it's boy, it is bad in Beantown, my man. I enjoyed every series we've played, we've swept them, and I it just it warms my heart. It, it literally it just. The joy that it brings to me, I can't, I just, I, I, I can't describe it. Even with all of our problems, you know, already we're having, you know, injury issues, uh, even with a 60 game season. Um, but, you know, thankfully we have a triple A AAA team that's more than capable of playing, uh, uh, you know, playing the ball, thankfully. <laughs> Now, I want to go back to the point about the Cubs. Yeah. And I think, Chris, and and like, I think it's the starting pitching. Because if you recall, I said when we did, I said the pitching was the biggest concern to me. I know offensively, you know, with Rizzo, Bryant, Schwarber, like even, you know, Wilson Contreras, you know, I felt we were good enough offensively. 
But starting pitching outside of Kyle Hendricks, I had concerns. And, and you know, guys like you, Darvish, Jose Quintana, you know, I, you know, I credit, you know, I credit David Ross, you know, for a great job with the pitching staff. You know, it helps that have a catcher in that position to be able to talk to pitchers because they understand. And I, even though not necessarily positionally, I felt that having a guy like Rossi there to help with the pitching because I think he can, he can talk to these pitchers and tell them, hey, this is what, hey, this is what you throw in this situation. This is how you handle this situation. Because like I said, and you talked about it very well last week, you talked about how important the catcher position is. Like it's the point guard position of baseball where they're, they're directing traffic. And that's what having, you know, having Rossi do his old career and winning everywhere doing so, that helped. But, you know, to, 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 to circle back to like the A's, remember, Chris, I said on this show how good the A's and the Padres were going to be. I, I believe in the West Coast. I think, like I say, the A's don't get enough credit. I like I like Matt Chapman a lot. That's a sneaky good third baseman. You know, even Steven, you know, Steven Piscotti, you know, a veteran guy. They got a nice looking roster over in Oakland. And as for Boston, I knew it was going to be bad, Chris. I did. Because when you lose guys, when you lose the Mookie Betts, you know, I don't care if it's 60 games or 162, you're not going to fare well the year after. Because essentially in that trade, you're going to get back, you know, a lot of young guys. It's bad over there. Like, it's a bad year in Boston. You know, it's one thing you lose Tom Brady. Then the Sox are terrible. The only good thing going on now is the Boston Bruins. That's pretty much it. And the Celtics. Every, every You know, everything else going on in Beantown, that baseball team is bad. And we're... And, and, when, and, and it's not that far for to say that, listen, the Baltimore Orioles are exceeding a lot of expectations. Like Brandon Hyde, their manager, he used to be former Cubs bench coach. Listen, he's doing a great job. But there's a lot of good talent over there. And it speaks to how important having a good manager is. Not saying Ron Renneke for the Sox is not a good manager. But under the circumstances, Chris, all, all that's happened, it's, it's bad. And to be honest, Chris... I think this may not be the only year it's going to be bad. Which again, so, I'm I'm okay with that. <laughs> yeah, and then and then and we all know why you're good with that. And speaking of things we're good at, you know, we're good at you know timing because we're out of time. Uh, and if anything else you want to say, Chris, before we wrap up? Ah, uh, nah, man. Same as normal. You know, stop burning buildings down. Stop rioting. Stop acting like assholes. Um. Primaries are coming up. Uh, if you're a registered voter, please go out and vote. Um, if you if you're not registered, then go out and register. If you're registered and you bitch about politics and you don't vote, you're the biggest piece of shit on the planet um, because you have no right to complain about anything if you're not willing to contribute to it. Um, Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself, and uh, yeah, that's it. You know, yeah, you make a good point. You make a good point about the voting, because I put I put something on Facebook. I talk about how low the voter turnout was with the primaries here where I'm at in Florida, and it's bad, Chris. And like, it's not even I think not even thirty percent. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I saw the thing you posted. And, uh, I I 
I was disappointed by it because I, I see so many people that are passionate and I use that term very loosely about politics on, mm-hmm. on social media. And my, my biggest thing is, is I always feel that you have a right to bitch and complain if you voted, if you didn't vote, just shut up and sit silently in the corner and let the adults talk then. Um, you know, it, it's not that hard, you know? Um, I mean, hell, I, I live outside of my voting precinct and I still was able to get business taken care of uh, by absentee ballot. Um, mm-hmm. So the opportunity's there. If for some reason you can't get up and vote in person, which I, I highly recommend, but in some cases like me where you are working or stationed for your job across the country where you vote, then you know cast your absentee ballot. Otherwise, don't bitch about it on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or whatever other shitbox you yell on. And, uh, yeah, if, if you do, then just continue to vote and it's our American right. And there's a lot of countries that wish they could do it and that can't. So please cherish it before we lose it. That's my soapbox for today. A little bit low, a little bit lower tone than normal. Yeah. You'll notice he said lower tone. So, so you can take that uh, joke as face value America, but you know, but once again, before we wrap up, Chris, I've always stressed to go vote, you know, register to vote since I was 18. I've all, I, I've always said that no matter what your politics are, take advantage of a right that few have. Like in the grand scheme of the world, we have something that not a lot of countries, compared to the people in the world, they don't have it. It's, it's like basically, it's like growing up and like, it's like basically, if, it's like if, if you don't like oatmeal, you get oatmeal every day. And there's not much other choice. That's what other countries feel like. We have variety. You have options. Go vote. I don't care what your politics are. Just go vote. Because when you go vote, that's expressing your that's expressing your right as an American. And I think sometimes we we take things certain things in this country for granted. I'm not gonna go on my soapbox about that. But I think we take a lot of things for granted. And voting to me is right up on that list. And we take voting for, like I say, go vote. Under and I always say this, but more importantly, really understand the issues, because like it's one like listen, you'll have different news medium, you know, news mediums to come at you in different capacities. You know, take time. And I know we're all busy people, but take time. Educate yourself news, on the topic. You can, you can get. Don't vote blindly because one network told you. Or you saw something on Twitter or Facebook. If you're going to vote on something, educate yourself and don't try to chastise the opposite side of the fence for it. When nine times out of ten, when the opposite side of the fence uh, originally wanted it, you were on board with it. So stop being silly and vote based on education and principle and not just on what you see on TV or Facebook. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a great way to wrap up is that the moral of the story here, folks, is that, listen, just educate yourself. It's like, you know, one of my favorite things in the Bible is that people, when people prepare for the lack of knowledge, because we don't, because we don't, we choose not to learn. Learn about who you're voting for. Don't, don't be like bird box and just, you know, put the blindfold on and try to figure it out. Go vote, but educate yourself because that's the person you want to vote for because it's your vote. Don't throw it away because somebody told you to vote for them. Understand their issues. Understand why they should be there because basically 
they have to earn your vote. You just can't give it to them. It's earned. Like some things that, you know, you may have to just give, you know, but, you know, like, you know, but just do it that way. Just understand the issues. And, and on that note, it's our time for this week's episode. And if, and to stay connected to the podcast, go to facebook.com slash sports the world and also to our Facebook site and go on our Twitter and on Twitter and Instagram. It's at sports the world. That's at sports the world. And also you can catch us soon on SoundCloud very soon. I'll let you know when that happens in the YouTube channel. It's coming. It's working itself nicely to continue to connect with you guys to get your thoughts and opinions. You say whether Chris is right, which, you know, he could be the whole Minnesota thing. Ah, but. But to continue to stay connected to us and my personal Twitter is at Ladares underscore Brown and check me out on Facebook. It's my name. Check it everything out as well. Chris, no Twitter. I think you understand that. Absolutely. So, I don't so, even like doing Twitter on Xbox. <laughs> so, <laughs> so until you hear us again, I'm Larry. And I'm Chris. Be real, be you, and be blessed here from the Sports and the World Podcast. See ya!